0: Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. I'm your host, James Canole. And today we're going to be continuing our series in the financial tune-up series. The goal of this is in a year filled with chaos and change and disruption, now is a great time to look at our finances, to look at taxes, investments, insurance, estate planning, make sure that everything is still in alignment so that as our goals have changed, our circumstances have maybe changed, making sure that everything we're doing from a financial perspective is right in alignment with that. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about investments and what issues should you consider when reviewing your investments to see if changes need to be made. Again, just like last episode, a copy of everything I'm talking about today. So not just a, not just the show notes, but an actual checklist, a checklist of all the different items we're going to be going through today is available on the Ready for Retirement website. So if you go to readyforretirement.co, readyforretirement.co, search for today's episode, and in the show notes, you'll see a link to this that you can access but without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. So as we are reviewing our investments to see if anything needs to change, the first thing that we should start with is to see, has anything about your investment objectives changed? Well, what does that mean? Well, for starters, have anything like your goals, your time horizon, or the objective of your investments changed? Do they need to be updated or reviewed? For example, as COVID hit, did that cause a change to what income looked like? For some people, it meant income went away. For other people, income went significantly up depending on the nature of the work that they were in. So as that happened, and after a year of change, have your goals changed? Has retirement been pushed up or has been retirement been pushed back? Have other goals, maybe your desire to purchase a home or a second home or send children or grandchildren to college? Has anything changed about that? If so, make sure that your investment allocation is changing with that. So if you're planning to fund a major purchase or expenditure, like a home, like college, make sure that your investments are in alignment with that from a time frame perspective. If you originally thought that you were going to retire, but maybe not for another 10 years, maybe your portfolio is a lot more aggressive, but now maybe after 2020 and what's happened, maybe your retirement's a lot sooner for you be either because it has to be, or because you want it to be, or just because things have changed. Well, if that's the case, make sure that the way your investments are allocated is updated to accurately reflect that. Next thing, Do you need to assess or change or review what you might call your risk tolerance? Those are just your comfort level with investing. Are you invested more aggressively because you consider yourself a growth investor? Are you invested more conservatively because you consider yourself a more conservative investor? This is a great time to review that. A lot of people at the beginning of 2020 felt as if they were pretty aggressive investors. They felt as if they were comfortable with a growth portfolio. Well, then COVID happens. Then the market has its fastest ever bear market on record And their thoughts about that might be a little bit different. Now is a great time to review that. The market has recovered. The market's actually higher than it's ever been. This is no prediction about where things are going, but this is a good time to reassess your risk tolerance. Would you be comfortable? And no one's ever comfortable, so I shouldn't say that way, but is an experience like 2020 something that you're okay with because you still have a longer time horizon or because you're comfortable with the ups and downs or you just have a higher risk tolerance or do you need to take a look at your investments, review them, it may be shift to a portfolio that's more suitable for your risk tolerance or your comfort level with the ups and downs. Next, do you need to determine or or look to determine if you are on track to meet your goals? So after a year like 2020, maybe your investments did well, maybe they did poorly. It's always good, not just this year, but in any year to see, are you on track to meet your goals? Are you saving enough? Are you growing enough? Are you investing or are are you returning enough, performing enough in order to be on track for the goals that you have? of retirement, of home purchase, of sending kids to college, of traveling, of whatever it is, a lot shifted last year. And it's always good, especially if you're like 2020, just to revisit your financial plan. Are you on track to meet the goals that you have based upon how much you're saving, based upon projected growth, based upon projected expenses in the future, inflation, taxes, so on and so forth? Reassess, take a look again at your future goals and where you are today to make sure that you're on track or to see if anything needs to be updated. Next, if you are taking distributions, have you been reviewing the spending and distribution rates? When you construct a portfolio for retirement, one of, the, one of the things that you want to look at is how much can I sustainably take from this portfolio without running the risk of running out of money. Now, in episode number twenty-seven, we actually reviewed what that rate is—how much you could project or how much you could look to take out of a portfolio each year without running a huge risk of running out of money. And that number, depending on your portfolio, might be somewhere between four and a half to five percent. Well look at your actual spending is how much you are actually spending and taking out of your portfolio in alignment with that or not. If you're spending too much, maybe it's time to dial back the spending or dial back how much income is coming out of your portfolio. Or maybe you're, you are living well within your means and you're living and your, you're spending less than that percentage of your portfolio. Well, if there's things that you want to do and you're finding that you're well within that sustainable spending rate, Maybe consider increasing your spending. Maybe consider taking more out of your portfolio if there's things that you want to be able to do that you're not currently doing. So just a good time to review that. Also, take a look at what other assets or income sources you have outside of your investment portfolio. This could be things like pensions, social security, annuities, other income sources you have because sometimes people retire and they'll retire and take more out of their portfolio the first few years knowing that they're going to wait to collect social security at a later date. So if that's the case, and if you're taking money from your portfolio today, ask yourself, is it time to collect social security? Is it time to collect my pension? Is it time to collect some other income source or pull money from another investment or asset source that you have? So once you've done these things, those are kind of around the investment objective piece. And the next things that we want to look at is actual investment issues or actually things within your investment portfolio. The first being your asset allocation. So does your asset allocation need to be reviewed? Just what's the mix of stocks and bonds and different types of stocks and different times of bonds? Well, how do you do that? You review your portfolio as a whole. You go through the exercise of determining, is this still the right portfolio for me to meet my long-term goals and the objectives that I have? And if not, well, then make some adjustments that adjustment could be shifting to a more conservative allocation. It could be shifting to a more aggressive allocation. It could be saying that if you look at your portfolio, maybe one of your investments has significantly outperformed other investments. This could be a great time to rebalance. Do you sell a little bit of what's gone up to buy a little bit of what's gone down or has gone up less? Maybe more of the aggressive part of your portfolio, the more growth part has done tremendously well. And maybe the more conservative part has lagged and it's doing what it needs to do. It's staying stable, but it's just not growing as much. Does this mean that it's the time to take some of what's gone up to buy what's more stable or hasn't gone up quite as much to rebalance to ensure your investment allocation is maintaining the desired allocation, desired mix of the different types of investments you want to have. Next thing to look at is if you do have different taxable accounts, Roth accounts, and pre-tax accounts, consider using asset location to maximize your after-tax returns. So what does that mean? Well, let's say that you have a standard investment account, plus you have a traditional IRA, plus you have a Roth IRA. When you're investing, you have some type of investments that are not very tax efficient. Things like bonds or investments that pay dividends that aren't qualified dividends. As you receive that, that's not very tax efficient. You are paying ordinary income tax rates on all that income, which means your after tax return is less. Other investment types though, whether it's muni bond interest, whether it's qualified dividends, whether it's capital gains. So investments appreciating in value as opposed to paying ordinary dividends, that is a much lower tax rate, or it's just a lower tax rate that you can expect to pay on that type of a growth. So the theory here is if you're going to own different types of investments, that's totally fine, but you need to recognize that some are more tax efficient than others. So for the tax inefficient investments, you maybe want to consider putting those in your traditional ira or your roth ira whereas the tax efficient investments maybe you put those in your standard investment account your brokerage account because that's where you are going to be paying taxes on the growth so let's put the most tax efficient investments there and put the tax inefficient investments and in the types of accounts that you're not going to be paying taxes on as it grows so it's not just about asset allocation which is what types of investments are you using It's also about asset location, which is where are you owning these different types of investments. Most people don't pay enough attention to that. So as you're reviewing your investments, this could be a great time to do so. Next, look to see, are you planning to take any distributions from your accounts? Well, if so, you may want to sell, or you may want to consider putting a portion of your investment allocation into cash, or at least something very conservative. Now, as you're investing, as you have a long time horizon and you're trying to grow your portfolio, you're not going to want to, probably have a whole lot of your portfolio in cash. It's just not going to grow for you over time. But as you're getting closer to your goal, whether it's to purchase a home or to retire, or to be able to have cash available within your portfolio, you might want to consider taking some of the investments you have, selling them and leaving that money in cash, just because if there's a market downturn or something's to happen, if you have a long time horizon, it's no big deal. You just wait it out. But if you need to buy a home, or if you need to send a kid to college, or if you need to take a distribution from your portfolio to retire, that's where you want to have some money in cash. So review your portfolio, review your potential spending needs, and make the decision to maybe allocate a portion of cash if necessary. Now, another thing you want to look at is, do you have any significant investments or significant positions that represent a large portion of your portfolio? Where I see this a lot is with company stock, especially in the year like 2020, where different investments do very different things, and some have performed very, very well. Well, if you're at a company and stock options are a part of your compensation. And your company did really well in terms of the stock price. Well, you might look at your stock, you might look at your overall portfolio and realize that a significant portion of your overall portfolio is in company stock. Or maybe you placed a big bet on one specific stock and it did tremendously well. That's, those are all good things, but whenever a significant portion of your net worth is in one single stock, there's always a lot of risk involved with that. So is this a good time to review that and make sure that you don't have too much concentration risk and that you are diversifying more or spreading your money out more in the most tax efficient way possible, of course. Another thing that's gaining more popularity, and some people certainly care a lot more than others about this, but impact investing or socially responsible investing, whether it's environmental or social or governance causes, some people are taking a greater eye to their portfolio with that in terms of how can I align my investments with the types of causes I care about. So if that's you, great. This could be a good time to take a look at that, to see are your investments, is what you're investing in, in alignment with what's actually important to you or the values that you have. If so, it doesn't necessarily mean that you change your total investment strategy. It just means how do you take the investments that you have and keep them in the same Allocation meaning you own the same mix of stocks and bonds or different types of stocks and bonds, but skew it towards stocks or skew it towards bonds and companies that are in alignment with some of these causes or values that you're looking to invest in. And then finally, on the investment piece, do you need to open a new account that's specifically tied to a certain investment objective? What do I mean by that? Well, if you're investing for college, for a child or grandchild, instead of just investing, do you invest inside of a 529 plan for the tax benefits? Instead of just investing for future healthcare costs, mm-hmm. do you invest inside of a health savings account, an HSA for the tax benefits instead of just investing for retirement? Could you invest in a 401k or an IRA or a Roth IRA for the tax benefits? So as you are investing, if you're investing just in a regular standard brokerage account, ask, is there a better account I could be doing this in where I could still have access to all the same great funds or very similar funds, but do so in a way that's going to benefit me from a tax perspective? The next piece that you wanna review when it comes to your investments is actually the tax piece. So number one, do you have a taxable account and are you funding your current cash flow needs from it? I.e., are you pulling money out of an investment account to fund your retirement goals or to fund just any income needs that you have? If so, make sure that you're being as tax efficient as you possibly can with that. If you're in a high tax bracket and you're owning regular bonds, does it make sense to own muni bonds instead? If you're in a high tax bracket and you're focusing on a dividend strategy, Does it make sense to use those dividends inside of maybe an IRA or Roth IRA or invest in things that pay dividends in an IRA or a Roth IRA for the tax efficiency and own other types of investments in your brokerage account that aren't going to be so subject to taxes? Second, do you have a taxable account that has a whole bunch of long-term positions with low cost basis? Meaning you buy a bunch of stocks or a bunch of investments a long time ago and those investments have appreciated and now there's a lot of unrealized gains. Well, consider this. If your taxable income, if you are single is under $40,400. So again, this is your taxable income, which is essentially your gross income minus any deductions that you might have. If you're single and that income is below 40,400, your long-term capital gain rate is zero meaning that if you sell one of those investments that has an unrealized gain, you actually won't pay any taxes on it with, of course, a caveat. You won't pay any taxes on any gains that you sell up to $40,400. So if your income, if your taxable income is exactly $30,400, then you could realize exactly $10,000 of unrealized gains, which would put your income at $40,400. And on those $10,000 of gains, you would not owe any federal capital gains taxes. You still might at the state level, depending on where you live, but nothing at the federal level. If you're married, then that limit is $80,800. So if you're married finally and jointly, then any income, or if your income is less than $80,800, then consider realizing long-term capital gains up to that threshold because you're not paying any taxes to do so. Even hypothetically, if you just turn around and reinvest the proceeds in the same exact stock or the same exact investment, it's still beneficial to do because it's just stepping up your cost basis. So that when you go to sell these investments later, the difference between what you bought them for and what you sold them for is a lot lower, which means there's a lot less taxes. Now, if your taxable income is between $40,400 and $445,850 in your single, then your long-term capital gain rate is 15%. Those numbers, if you're married, it's between $80,800 and $501,600 for married filing jointly. At that point, your long-term capital gain rate is 15%. And if it's above that, whether you're single or married, finally, jointly, your long-term capital gain rate is 20%. So make sure that you're being smart about realizing capital gains. Sometimes you want to avoid that because you're in a higher tax bracket and you can push, those, push the realizing of those capital gains to different years when maybe you're in a lower tax bracket. Sometimes you want to intentionally realize unrealized gains because doing so might be possible even at a 0% tax rate. Next thing to look at is, do you have taxable income and is your modified adjusted gross income in excess of $200,000 if you file taxes single or $250,000 if you file married, filing jointly? If so, consider strategies to manage or reduce your net investment income as much as possible. So again, if you're single and your modified adjusted gross income is higher than $200,000 or if you've filed taxes married, filing jointly and it's higher than $250,000, then you may be subject to another 3.8% taxes on income from things like dividends, capital gains, rental real estate, anything like that. So make sure that you are considering strategies to minimize that or to manage that because that 3.8% tax is an addition to the capital gains tax at the federal level plus whatever state taxes might charge. Next, do you hold any assets with a tax loss? If so, does it make sense to harvest some of those losses? Whenever you harvest losses, you can offset any potential capital gains that you have. Plus, if there's still losses above and beyond that, you can write off up to $3,000 of it against ordinary income. So if you realize losses in excess of $3,000, you can write off up to $3,000 against ordinary income, and then any losses above and beyond that could be carried forward to future years. Now, if you have multiple lots, meaning maybe you bought a stock and you bought it over regular intervals or dividends were reinvested, When you look to sell that investment or sell that stock, the actual cost method of tracking the basis allows you to choose which lots to sell. So let's say that you bought some stock and you bought it on a monthly basis every month over the last 20 years. Well, you might have a lot of unrealized gains in that, but you didn't buy that stock all at once. You bought it over several periods and as you made more purchases or as dividends were reinvested, every time that happened, you have a different tax lot. So when you go to sell, you can actually be intentional about which lots you want to sell. So maybe you want to intentionally sell the lots that have the highest cost basis to minimize the tax impact. Maybe you want to intentionally sell the tax lots that have the lowest cost basis to maximize how much you can harvest in gains. If your income is below a certain threshold, like we just talked about, but just be aware of that and be aware of wash sale rules. The wash sale rule is if you sell an investment to lock in a loss, but then you rebuy that investment in 30 days or less, you're going to have that wash or you're going to have that loss offset. It's going to be washed away because you have to sell it. You need to wait at least 31 or more days before you can purchase it again. If you want to use the tax benefits. Next thing you want to review is, are you trying to minimize your overall tax liability? If so, then you'll probably want to limit trading within your taxable accounts as much as possible the first thing this does is this just controls how many gains are realized, at least to the greatest extent possible. So long-term gains are preferential to short-term gains, but even long-term gains, they still increase your total income. They could trigger AMT, alternative minimum tax, and they could affect your eligibility for certain miscellaneous exemptions or deductions or credits, or just any other income related preferences and adjustments. So it's not just paying more taxes on it, but there's a lot of things that more income could potentially impact. Also, if you own certain types of mutual funds or interests in REITs or MLPs, just be prepared for some unique tax consequences. This could be gain distributions or it could be depreciation recapture or certain things like that. Just be aware of that, the different types of investments, different types of funds or REITs or MLPs have different ways of reporting income that you need to be aware of because it's all going to pass through to you. And then just other issues to consider as you're reviewing your investments is first and foremost, is there a plan in place during periods of market decline? So last year was a big shock to a lot of people. No one before COVID happened, a few months before it could have happened, could have ever predicted the stock market would be losing over a third of its value in five short weeks. That happened very quickly, very drastically. And it happened in the midst of a great economy. And that happened in the midst of very low unemployment when a lot of things seemed to be going well. So what it showed is the importance of having a plan in place during periods of market decline. It means, do you have an emergency fund in place? Yeah, your emergency fund has nothing to do with your investments, but if you don't have it and you lose your job and your investments drop significantly like they did in COVID, well, where are you going to pull money from if you need it during that time? Having an emergency fund allows you to stay fully invested as needed. Do you have a plan where income is going to come from? Are there contingency plans if plan A doesn't go according to plan? Are you going to be emotionally prepared to see your investments lose 20, 30, 40% of their value depending on how you're invested? So just make sure that you have a plan in place to prepare for market deterns, downturns, not because we can predict when they're going to happen, but so that you can plan your response accordingly. Next, do you understand all the different fees or charges that might be inside of your, your account? A lot of people, they think they never pay anything in investment fees, but if you look at the mutual funds they own or the different funds inside their portfolio, there are a whole bunch of hidden layers of fees that they just have no idea exist. Or maybe there's advisory fees, or maybe there's wrap fees, or 12B1 fees, or sales fees, or commissions. There's just all these different types of fees. And you want to make sure that you're keeping those manageable and keeping them as low as you possibly can while getting the service or while getting the value that you would hope that paying a fee might get for you. Do you need to assess how future contributions will be handled? So part of investing is understanding how should you be invested today, but as you continue investing, as you continue putting money into your accounts going forward, where are those contributions going to go? Do you have a plan for that that's in alignment with your financial plan? Also, do you have an employer stock plan? If so, monitor the rights that you have to shares, understand the tax treatment of this, and really understand the percentage of your overall portfolio that consists of employer stock or that you're willing to have an employer stock so that you can have a plan to mitigate any concentration or make sure you're not too concentrated in any one stock like we talked about earlier. And then finally, do the roles or responsibilities of any interested parties? This could be professionals, fiduciaries, CPAs, financial advisors, anyone that's helping you with decisions around your investments and your overall financial plan. Do the roles and the responsibilities there need to be adjusted, increased, decreased, changed, whatever it may be? This is just a great time to review everything, whether it's the investments themselves whether it's tax issues around the investments, whether it's the goals the investments are being used for, or just other things like this, this is a great time to review all of it. This checklist, again, I know today was a lot. Last time was a lot. And the next two episodes will be the same way. This is designed to be thorough. It's designed to be a flyby. It's designed to give you just little quick snippets of things that you should be looking for when it comes to your finances. The checklist that contains all this is available at the Ready for Retirement webpage. I hope that was helpful, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.